Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> I got the glasses. You guys, I made a quiz. No, I didn't bring anything, but I'm here to have fun. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the official Broadway Sid podcast, where we're drunk on theater. I'm your host, Brian Plofsky, and welcome to Hogwarts. No, this isn't platform nine and three quarters for the Hogwarts <laughs> Express. It's just the blanket in the hut on a rock. Do you want anything from the trolley, dear? Well, at the Ministry of Magic in the Wizarding World, there are only shadows and spirits. Are you at the edge of the Forbidden Forest, or are you just looking for a duel? Oh, moaning Myrtle, leave us alone. It's a world of darkness, but if you're expecting Patronum, then we're in trouble again. The Owlry is holding somewhat of an extraordinary general meeting, but with paint and memory, then something is written when the arrival is here. What a nice day. Joining us today are the usual heaps of Imogen, including... Kevin Wan Dance Jager. Oh my God, they're the best. <laughs> but keep the secret. Right. Um, Kimberly, yeah. our staircase ballet game master and unofficial babysitter for the hour. Good one. And with us today is a director of North American Ticketing for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child and a graduate of the Central School for Speech and Drama in London. Let's give a big broad wasted welcome to friend of the show. Friend of the show, Andrew Lowy. It's so good to be with you guys. I'm, I'm such a big fan of what you guys are doing. This is so much fun. Oh, d- oh drinking and talking about excited. theater? <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is so new to me. I've never done this before. Um, <laughs> I like drinking. I like theater. When you put them together. <laughs> um, well, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, I'm personally excited for multiple reasons. One, Andrew and I went to high school together. Um, so we've known each other for a very long time. And Andrew's Wait, the reason that we got to see the play that goes wrong the first time. Yes, oh, that is it? true. Oh, In those oh, very, true. very scary seats. Oh, the balcony? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. The, oh, the, the pitch in that balcony is crazy. Brian and I, I laughed so I love hard. it, though. We laughed so hard, but we're also terrified for our lives the entire yeah. time. Although that was a very weird experience, only because we were sitting clearly sitting in, in behind two women who didn't speak English, um, who clearly like bought these on TDF and like kind of didn't know uh, the TKTS line, excuse me, um, and didn't know what was happening. But you'd think that something was so much slapstick, like would like read well, but they left it intermission. <laughs> Wow. But then you had a better view. It, it was, was a great. very polarizing show, but boy, what a blast that show was, man. Yeah. yeah. It was God, so, so much fun. Have you watched any of their show? Uh, not yet. I, I love all oh, the mischief guys. It's right. Have it, it's on Hulu now, I think. or It's on Amazon? Prime. Prime. Yeah, Prime. Prime. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to do that. Those guys are so funny and just. So funny. And they're so young. They're going to be making stuff for years for all of us. It's amazing. Um, well, Andrew is also, um, as I mentioned, the director of a North American Taking for Harry Potter. But um, something that I'm super interested in is he started a blog and uh, called Theater 2050 about the future of theater and and what it what it you know what it's going to be, what it should be, all of that. Um, but before we start with everything and any of that, what are you drinking? What are you drinking? What are we drinking? Kimberly, you have a nice cup. I've made a poor choice. 
Uh oh. That's why I just got a straw because I thought it would make it better. It has not. Um, I ran out of tonic water last night, and mm. then this is the rep, the very end of my Perry Tot gin bottle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I looked in my fridge and I said, "I have Sprite. I can just have <laughs> Sprite. The Sprite is flat. Oh, oh. Very, very and so it's a little syrupy in here. Ah, okay." <laughs> But like I'm gonna drink it. I just might squeeze a lime in it in a minute. <laughs> um, Kevin, I am drinking a red blend, and I feel bad because right before I came to do this recording, my dad read me the back of the bottle so I would know what to say about it. But I didn't listen because I was focused on something else. <laughs> so I know it's a red blend from Chateau Saint Michel. But there was something else about it that, like, it was like I don't know. There were like only a certain number of bottles, but it's good. And I like, I like it. Uh, Chateau Saint Michel. Mm-hmm. I, I also like that label. I'm using this much lime to fix this drink. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Oh, you um, like, like my, shot, my shot glass of wine? <laughs> yeah, it's great. I, you're like an Italian. <laughs> that's that's why my parents got it because they went to Italy and saw how Italians drank wine. And suddenly, they had also glasses. Yeah. Also, because you're so you're such a big person, it looks like you're very small because the shot glass is so big. It's like where, where did it go? Where did it go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but um, it's also good because in my childhood bedroom that my parents redecorated when I moved out, they have a ooh, giant uh, poster of Italy. So, is it divided by region of wine? Um. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Andrew, what about you? What are you drinking? I'm drinking Michelob Ultra. I'm very boring. <laughs> it, it's uh, it's more. It's I usually have more adventurous beers, but uh, I, it's in the new year. You know, trying to get back on the horse of healthier stuff. So, two point six net carbs is uh, for one. So, yeah, that, that's where I'm. That's why I'm doing this today. That's what we call them carbs in my family. Yeah, you drink that beer. Yeah. Out of um, yeah. In the heat. <laughs> So let's 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 uh, let's just start out with Harry Potter. Uh, Ryan, so, oh yeah, I forgot. Um, I have Hudson uh, Rye. Oh, in a Yeti. In a yeah, no, I don't think it's a Yeti, but it's uh, I don't know the brand. We got them on Amazon, but yeah, it's a Yeti. It's a Yeti. Uh huh. Totally. The podcast. It's a Yeti. <laughs> yeah, it's a Yeti. It's a Yeti. Um, um, before we talk about Theater Twenty Fifty, which is what I want to focus most of our time on. What does the director of North America ticketing do? Like, what is that job? Wow. So what was my job? So in normal times, I am, <laughs> I'm on a, 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 the senior leadership, a global leadership team for the marketing of Harry Potter. And so I work with pe- people like me around the world. They're kind of doing the similar job. But really what I'm doing is I'm kind of supervising the ticketing for Broadway, for San Francisco, and for our upcoming production in Toronto which we unfortunately had to delay with everything going on. Mm-hmm. So in normal times, it's a lot of just doing all the, the strategies and operations of everything, but it's also kind of how sales relate to everything else that a, kind of a marketing director would be doing. And so I work very closely with all of our marketing directors on a bunch of different things, but it's, it's, a, it's a unique job and it's something I, I'm really excited about doing just because it's a bit unique in the theater to be working on a global team, which is something that I've been just been so excited. It was one of the things that made me want to do the job. It's just excited to like learn from people. I talk to people all day from in London and Hamburg, Germany and Melbourne, Australia. It's, it's a different way of looking at the theater and it's pretty fun. I really enjoy that part of it. So are you more like the minister of magic of ticketing or like the defense against the dark arts of ticketing? It depends on the day. <laughs> and, and, and what our sales are looking like you know tell me to wrap one day maybe i'm a bit of defense <laughs> i wear all the hats when it comes to that sorting hat sorry i'm gonna yeah, stop i wear oh yeah <laughs> um so you worked at spotco which if people don't know it's the one of the bigger marketing for broadway in new york city um you also worked uh for paper mill playhouse as well as uh, Stuart thompson productions um, I guess, you know, I-, I wanted to highlight some of those and-, and what your experiences were kind of like there in addition to your your, your schooling, because I know you went to Westchester University and then you went to the, the school in London and you have what, uh, what is it, P- Production City? What's, what's the... Oh my God, my MA, it does, they actually changed the name because it's too long. It was MA Theater Studies Performance and the City was the, the, was the master's I got. So... <laughs> What is it now? I don't even remember. I think it's like it's like dramaturgy or something. It's like it's just like kind of like 
<laughs> shoved so, it all in there. It's like I'm gonna ask a I'm gonna ask a big question. Like yeah, right. all those things, inclusive of you know the schooling that you did, talk a little bit about how that has framed your journey to theater 2050. Basically, like why should we? What knowledge do you have? Why should we care what you have to say on theater yeah. 2050? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's no, true, it's great, right? It's exactly the question, right? Yeah. Like for, yeah, for me, it, it's that I've always- If he wasn't myself. a friend, that question would have never been phrased. <laughs> That's though. what I was just like, I'm so glad we know him because like if he was just like a random- Because well, I know the answer so to this question. Like, what he means is- yeah. No, because I know the answer to this question because like I think he's a brilliant person and we've been talking about the the, the history of theater for over drink. Look, we've been doing Broadway so like for you like for years like together. Um, so I'm just like that style. So I want to hear from him. Oh, it's so perfect. <laughs> I love I love it. So so really the, 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 the it starts from that. I've always thought of <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> Okay, like, I'm mad. You guys are the yeah, athlete. I love it. Um, it always it started from the place of I've always thought of myself as a theater generalist, which is an ironic thing because usually everyone tells you to specialize, specialize, specialize. But even going into college, I got my theater arts general studies degree from Westchester. I liked having my hand in everything. That was always my thing. And especially in college, I did everything from you know costume design to directing at one point. Like it, it, I just did everything. So that when I got out of college, I I looked for opportunities that were more in the general management business side, just because that was more, I was more interested and wanted to learn. And so it's the fact that for me, it's that I, I've been on the production side of things. I worked for Stuart <laughs> for many years in the general management. So I have like kind of the general management world, producing world experience there. And then I uh, you know, moved to London, which gave me a very different perspective on international theater and just how New York City specifically fits into all, everything else like that. Um, and then going back to New York and working at Spaco and working on the agency marketing side definitely was a, a, a big thing. And you're just, you work with so many different people uh, from so many different sides of the theater when you're in that, those kind of conversations, which is one of the things, the reasons I love that kind of world. Um, but really it's just that I've had so many different experiences in, in this industry. And I, it's one of the things that I thrive on. It's the fact that I haven't just done one thing. I'd like being, being able to speak about different, just about so much. I've also like, as Brian will well know, like, I've just seen a ton of theater and just over my, over my life, just way too much in my life, which I completely miss in this moment. I just, it, 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 I'm sure how you guys feel different. It just like, feels like a part of me is not, you know, right. Cause I'm just not at the theater experiencing my life. to go into the theater. But um, yeah, it just always seemed like I, I, as much as I loved the theater, I was always, I, I was always trying to look at what's next. And I've always been excited to kind of dream up what that could be. And I've always, you know, been complaining about many different things. So I decided to kind of manifest it in, in a project like this to kind of lay out some interesting ideas and, you know, some things are crazy will never happen. And other things that like, Oh, maybe that can happen. You know, that's kind of the thought. Like Harry Potter and the cursed middle-aged person or Harry Potter and the cursed elderly person, like just way in the future. Yeah, it's really groundbreaking stuff. You just like, yeah, you just keep it going. <laughs> exactly. right, so, so what does wait? I just need to ask. Explain performance in the city. Ooh, so performance in the city was all about. Is that like sex was, in the city? But like, <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. I don't even have to do it. <laughs> it so was, you're it Samantha, was, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm a master in it, and it's still vague to me, right? It's like joke. I, I got a master's degree. <laughs> <laughs> So performance of the city was all about like, who is your, who, what are you producing and how does it relate to your community? So it was all about trying to kind of, kind of like relate the, the theater and, and it was a lot about institutional theater and, and how cities are built and how it relates to the people who come and see it. We did a lot of kind of like all these different kind of things about like, especially about France and especially, especially Paris and all the different kind of ways that the city was built around theaters too and how that fit into the communities. It's like there was a little like a very academic weird stuff like that that was kind of fun um, that I I certainly enjoyed but uh, yeah it's yeah, so it's, it's all about a bunch of different kind of experience. <laughs> cool. Okay, so let's get to theater twenty fifty. You can go to right. theater twenty fifty and it's R E right. R E. Yep. Dot com. The correct way. Um, yeah. I've read all of your posts. For those of you, for those people who haven't read, like, what is your thesis? What are you trying to do there? What am I trying to do? I, I, I'm trying to 
create what the future can be for the theater by halfway through the century. It really came from a, a moment of like, all right, and now we'll say 30 years, but I thought of this, I mean, this really kind of started in 2013 when I started thinking about this, but it's like, where, where, what is it going to look like 30 years from now? Maybe like me and my wife will be retired and we're going to be seeing theater in the world. What is that actually going to look like? What can it look like? What should it look like? And that's, that's I kind of, kind of worked my way back in that way. And I've always, I've done a bunch of writing in the past. My, my thesis was uh, in grad school is all about kind of flexibility in theater spaces, which is something that I'm pretty passionate about. And I'm writing a, a bit more about it now. Um, and it kind of led to this kind of kind of full kind of wanting wants to kind of write everything out. And in other it, just before all this happened, it, it just never felt like I kind of could spend the time to really kind of do it well. And I just decided when this all happened, it's like what better time while we're all kind of down to be able to have some of these conversations. And that's kind of where kind of I, I kind of start all these entries is just kind of talking about kind of wh where I think we can go and wh what yeah and like why we should be doing it and how some of it is actually really attainable like if we just kind of like commit to it all right so now that we've done all the setting what's did you ever one? watch did you ever watch conan o'brien uh yeah do you know when he did the segment in the year 2000 oh yeah in the year yeah that's right. so do you that's do that good. yourself every time you write a new post Ooh, exactly yeah yes exactly now i will of course but sorry brian i have to interrupt with the hard-hitting questions so. oh i know i know oh you're not asking why we should care right <laughs> um who the hell do you think you are <laughs> um uh, but I guess my, what's your number one hot take in terms of like what you would like to see in 2050? Like what, what is the, we could not hot take, but like, what's the number one thing that needs to happen? A revival of Gypsy. <laughs> <laughs> Just one? <laughs> 27th revival of Gypsy. All for that. All for that. I, so my number one soapbox, we'll call it, is that I'm of the belief that we need to immediately start digitally distributing theater globally while shows are running. While, sh while shows are running, and obviously once they're, once they're gone. It's my, it's my big take of just, and we're learning it. it, it the, the biggest example now is Hamilton, that we can see that, you know, it's not going to cannibalize sales because they put it on Disney Plus and showed it to, you know, 100 million people. Like, it, I, I truly believe that in this moment, we are we are living through the worst part of, of we're living in the worst case scenario. I, I say, and it's like, what are we gonna really? What can we really do in the future to try and, and make up some of that gap? If God forbid something like this ever happened again, and to me, this is the argument: it's you capture a show early in its run, you edit it, whatever that is, and then you distribute it globally. You almost have like a second opening, or you globally op open it, whether it's on on demand or in, in cinemas or wherever they, they would be doing it. I firmly believe that it will not cannibalize New York sales, even though everyone will tell you it, it will. And it, it, it could potentially create a revenue stream that can really help shows while, while they're running and also after to potentially help recoup their costs and, and actually pay artists during these crazy times. And it just feels like if you could do a couple of those as an actor, maybe you get all those together. It could be a nice little nest egg for you. I, I just... There has to, I, there are so many different holes in what I'm saying that you, you, know, you have, there's so many different union rules that we'd have to really kind of have a compromise on. But it, I just feel like it has to happen. I don't understand how we come out of this and that conversation doesn't happen. It really, I don't know. That's <laughs> kind of where I'm at with that. Do you think like Diana is the model uh, that what they're doing? Do you think that Hamilton is the model? Do you think it's a hybrid of those? Like what, what's, what's, What's what's your you recommendation? Think high School Musical is the model. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could be. I, I, yeah, I think all of those are the model. I think that's for me. It's the point for me. It's that the, the the worry is always, oh well, the shows never look as good on screen. Like oh, and like, yeah, of course they're not. They're not in the theater. It's like they always see it as the argument is that like that's the end of the argument. But for me, it's just. Wouldn't you rather have a really great digital capture of a Broadway show that somewhat Broadway fan in Bangladesh can watch for twenty dollars? Like that's what that, that's my argument. It's just there's enough of those people. Broadway's audience, last time they did, did the league data, 19% of our total audiences are international audiences. What are we doing? That, that, and that's been growing in the last 20 years. What are we doing when they're not here? Physically get to New York. So if 19% of the total audience has made a journey to see the show, then eons and eons of people who are have not been able to do that would also partake. 
Yeah. And my, and my argument is that do, doing exactly that elevates the, just the brand of Broadway. It puts it on another level. They're like, they're exporting this shit no! everywhere. That's basically all right. Oh, that's Carmen Cusack will probably come out. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, if you're exporting it out, all of a sudden you're creating, you're lifting the brand of Broadway. Like, oh, that this is the example by saying that this is what we're, by being confident enough to say that you you can just distribute your, your stuff everywhere. Uh, it, to me, I, I feel like we, it's more and more we're making the argument, especially coming out of this, that it's just being in a theater is a special experience, and we need to just be we need to like deal with that. I just it feels like we've been so precious about those kind of things. What happens in the theater cannot be repeated somewhere else. But that doesn't mean we don't have to do anything outside of that. Have that special experience in the theater, but also have the digital version. You know that there will be ticket buyers who will who, have, who will go both ways on that. People who've seen it in theater and want to re-experience it, or people who saw it somewhere else and now want to go to Broadway to see it. Mm-hmm. If anything, it's, it's just the best, mar- in my mind, the best marketing you can have. And in 2050, when people are going to theater, where will they park their flying cars? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I think it's still going to be hard in Times Square to park them. You know, I'd really do. <laughs> well, they're all flying. <laughs> if you can park it so they all are going straight up, you only have to buy like one apartment building and knock it down and make like a really, really tall parking garage. Wow. I should, I should buy all the air rights right now. You know, like <laughs> saying that's coming. We should buy all the four of us. We'll split them up. <laughs> um, so um, you, you did write an article recently about kind of what TV can do. Yeah. Um, how does that relate to the digitization of things and kind of uh, that that marketing, you know, if you will? Yeah, I mean, for me, TV, it's just we're seeing so many more shows over the last like 10, 15 years of just all about performance. People love watching performance. And for, for Broadway to give a bit a lot more of a presence in there, it would just make so much more sense. It relates to what I was saying before about embracing the brand of Broadway as being the pinnacle. It's like, I feel like in, in some of these worlds, they really don't have that in some way. And I think Broadway can, if they want to, can take the mantle of that. To be like, the best dancing is happening on Broadway. The best, like, the best singing, yeah, singing is a little bit harder, but you can say some of the best you know, contemporary dancing is happening on Broadway. Um, and for me, it, it was just about the fact that there's so much cross-pollination between the industries and having Broadway have like a quarterly moment in like the kind of the, the, the broadcast schedule this feels like a no-brainer at this point. And I, I lay it out in there. It's like, it should be like a season kickoff in September, a holiday performance in December, like a, another, a, a spring season kickoff around Valentine's Day, and then the Tonys, clearly. Like, that, like those things, there's four things. It's once a quarter, and it feels like it would just make, make so much sense to, for, for like a CBS, I, I use the example, to, you know, they're doing the Tonys, so they should pick up another one of those to basically introduce people to what are the shows I'm going to be seeing in June. You get people excited. You create like the Broadway as a as a place, as a as an exciting place through the fact that it's on TV, um, or on Hulu, or at, at, you know, like whatever it would be. But I, I was thinking of it as a broadcast thing. But it's certainly one of the streamers you'd love to see kind of just be like we're taking over Broadway. Like that would also be cool. Do you think that? And do you think that by digitizing the way that you've been saying with like exporting it and also like doing these kind of like televised things, do you think that that digitization would even cut down on like pirating of people like taking videos in the theater and things like that if they had these other outlets that were professionally done and like controlled by the producer and the entity of the show a, a billion percent and that's always the argument of oh why do we have to remove all this from youtube it's because we're you know it's not the show it's not filmed way we want people to see it in a certain way well if, you, if you're in charge of the way it's seen then film it and that, that, that's my argument and certainly piracy would be a huge part of this and trying to make sure that you know that, that is as limited as possible, but that's something you really can't control. And that's any industry for me. Like, I, I don't think that's too special to Broadway. I've, I've heard that argument before and it's like, yeah, I get it. But it's, you know, it's like every, every, you know, digital medium deals with that. Yeah. So, so yeah. um, we also distribute things in a far off land called Tuesdays in, in the, the corner. corner Kevin's Corner. <laughs> nice. Welcome to Kevin's Corner, where I have done some very intelligent, serious research on Wikipedia. And today, Kevin's Corner is the name game. So we're going from your name, Andrew, and kind of jumping off there into some really smart and really, really educated places. And we'll see where these go and what questions you can answer. All right. I'm excited. Question one. Andrew, your name is Andrew. 
just like Andrew Dixon White, an American historian and educator who was the co-founder of Cornell University and served as the first president for nearly two decades of the university. He was known for expanding the scope of college curricula. Curriculum Unavailable, however, is the 19th episode of the third season of the American comedy television series Community and the 68th episode overall. In this episode, Abed, is it, is it Abed? I've never watched the show, yes? Abed. Abed, Abed attends a therapy session with the rest of the group after he insists that something is wrong at Greendale. As they explain some of Abed's past behaviors, uh, they remember their experiences at the school and also realize that something is wrong here. However, the psychiatrist, Dr. Heidi, insists that nothing is wrong at Greendale and encourages the group to move past their time there. There once was an old lady who swallowed a fly. I don't know why she swallowed that fly. Perhaps she'll die. So my question is, what is the greatest animated film you've ever seen and why? I'm so passionate about this because I didn't watch it until recently and I'm really mad it took me this long to watch it. It's Inside Out. Inside Out absolutely wrecked me. Absolutely wrecked me. My my wife is like, you haven't seen Inside Out. It's like it's like it's like you made the movie. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, so she's like, it's like it's like made for you. And we watched it. I absolutely loved it. Um, I did love Soul recently too. Um, the end was one and unbelievable. But Inside Out is just, I got you. Just like you don't want it to be required viewing for every human being at, at like a certain age. My husband and I were just talking. It would be a good musical. A hundred percent. It would be wonderful. That would be uh, yeah. Like songs of heightened emotions. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, I'm in on that. Yeah. Love it. You're doing okay, but question two gets harder. So be prepared. <laughs> Andrew, your name is Andrew. Just like Andrew Ellicott, an American land surveyor who helped many who helped map many of the territories west of the Appalachians, surveyed the boundaries of the District of Columbia continued and completed Pierre-Peter Charles Lefant's work on the plans for Washington, D.C., and served as a teacher in survey methods for Meriwether Lewis. Lewis Harry Holtby, however, is a German professional footballer who plays as a midfielder for EFL's championship side Blackburn Rovers. And you can't tell from that sentence, but from his picture on Wikipedia, you can clearly see he is fine as hell. Hell Comes to Frogtown, however, is a 1988 American science fiction action film starring professional wrestler Roddy Piper set in a post-apocalyptic wasteland where few fertile men and women exist due to an atomic fallout. As a result, the government places a high priority on those who can still breed. Shortly before the movie opens, a group of mutant amphibians who have been exiled to the desert by humans capture a group of fertile women who they are using as sex slaves. So my question is, if you had to be strapped into a chair and forced to watch the live cap of one musical on repeat for an entire week, what show would you choose and why? Wow. Wow. And you've been strapped in by the amphibian people, just to tie in the whole question. Yeah, I'm feeling the very clockwork orange. Right, right. I'm feeling feeling that for a week. It's got to be something happy. Oh, you don't want to watch the end of Miss Saigon over and over again for a week? Yeah, because I was like, (laughs) I I just go to like two, two things came to my head just for a fun show. It would be like crazy for you. It's like you get a little sing dance, a little different stuff. And I also, the first thing that came to my mind was Hairspray. I don't know why. It's, it's such a fun show and has a wonderful message. Maybe that's enough of like a serious thing. A week, though, is a long time. Yeah. Part of me is like pick the longest show because you'll watch yeah. it. Oh, time. interesting. You'll be like, stop the beat. Stop the beat. <laughs> yeah. You can't stop the meat, literally. She's yeah. inside the hairspray can. <laughs> yeah. no, it's like if you go for. I wonder what the longest like classic musical was. You think it's ha- Camelot? Oh, Camelot was like, like runtime. Yeah, runtime. I'm trying to think the longest like classic Camelot musical was runtime. what like two forty five. Oh, Camelot was like longer. King and I was something. three. Like yeah, the revival three. of King and I was quite long, and I feel like they yeah. cut two minutes. 
So it's uh, it'd be an interesting thing to find out. But that would be yeah to kind of explain that. There's no way I could watch Camelot that many times. No, no way. No way. <laughs> Great songs. The second time if ever I'd leave you, I'd be dead. Like semwa semwa. Oh yeah, no. Hairspray's a great yeah. answer. Hairspray's yeah, a good that's answer. a good answer. Ryan and Kimberly, what would your answer be? Yeah. I, Ryan, would you be Susical? The Susical's a really, really Ooh. good answer to that. Only if Aaron Carter was starring as JoJo. Duh. Um, <laughs> Duh. But um, Susical, I also. Those. <laughs> Ryan, I told um, you I auditioned for that, right? Did I ever on Broadway? That? Yeah. When I was still no. a child actor, I auditioned for that. Uh, my, my, my voice had changed like four months before that happened. And, uh, I was the first cut. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, Susical's a really good one. Maybe man La Mancha. Just yeah, I, was, I thought nice. you were going to say La Mancha. But also I'd be watching a 90 minute musical over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. So maybe Susical. Kimberly? Andrew was, Andrew was in man La Mancha with me. Yes, I was. In Who were you? Yeah. I was on Selmo and I le- did the lighting design. <laughs> Were you also a Paper Mill Rising Star nominee? <laughs> I wasn't a nominee. I, I was at Paper Mill for four summers at the conservatory. We, we did do the program together. Yes, we did the program. I got, I got a scholarship from Rising Star. I didn't get it before. But... That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Kimberly? Shout out to Paper Mill. Love Paper Mill. My first impulse was Rent. Huh. That's a good one. And yeah. just like the nostalgia and like comfort of like a show you've loved your whole life i I just i've been reading a michael riedel's new book and he has a whole section on rent and it's really wonderful if you've read it yet i haven't had a chance to read it yet i will it it really like leads up to all that it's it's it it does a really nice summary it's great nice all right here comes question three you ready love it my answer would be lame is because it's long and i know everyone's pretty much going to die so i don't have to worry about anybody <laughs> it's like game of thrones you're like you're all going to die anyways so like let's just have yeah. fun. huh good one and then also it's so long that no one could perform it that whole time that week so like you know that you'd have to bring on some covers halfway through the week so like i would get to have some kind of wait you said it was a live cap well it was a live cap well, right, but mine was live, live, because I changed it. Oh. <laughs> Very convenient. <laughs> Keep up, Ryan. It's Kevin's Corner. Okay, yeah, yeah. Here, here we go. Third one. Andrew, your name is Andrew. Just like Andrew Wegman Bird, a Grammy-nominated indie rock music multi-instrumentalist, singer, and songwriter. Since 1996, he has, been, he has released 16 studio albums, as well as several live albums and EPs spanning various genres, including swing music, indie rock and folk music he's primarily known for his unique style of violin playing accompanied by loop and effect pedals whistling and voice voices of a distant star however is a japanese science fiction original video animation short film created and animated by makoto shinkai that follows the lives of two close childhood friends a boy and a girl who get separated once the girl is sent into space to fight in a war against aliens As the 15-year-old girl goes deeper and deeper into space, the texts that she sends the boy take longer to reach Earth. So the film simultaneously follows her battles with aliens and the boy's life as he receives her texts over many years. Years, of course, are things that you measure in love. So my question is, what is the meal that you would cook for a prospective significant other to seal the deal and successfully lock that person in as your boo for life. I recently like cooked a real meal for my wife, like a, like a recipe. It was very exciting. Is she still married to you? Yes. So it it, it, surprise, shockingly, yes. <laughs> I made her like a shri- I made her like a shrimp scampi. It was really I was very excited by that. I actually was able to do it. Um, I like took a picture of it. That's how excited I was. I never took a picture of a food like ever. <laughs> so I probably say something like that. I, yeah, that was that's a pretty Sarah meal. Yeah, I mean, like I, it's just more framing like what would I want to have, like that I love that I would want to share with somebody. Either way, if that's the way you want to take Ooh. it, or if it's like what's like the best aphrodisiac dinner to make somebody to like make it happen. 
Yeah. But like I love happened, did... not like that happened. Yeah. I mean, that too, because that's part I mean, of love. But like, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. No, I go back there and the shrimp scan me because I, I'm like, there's a fish element there. Like, yeah, I, I think that's it. I think it worked. <laughs> All right, I'll take that. And this has been Kevin yeah. Corner. Oh, man. You made it. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So let's, let's, I want to talk about the, uh, what should the United States do? Uh, big question <laughs> right for now, theater. Right? For, for oh. theater. Right. <laughs> like, Cause like, you know, I know that another soapbox that you and a lot of other people talk about are as a national theater. Um, like London, like, like the, the UK has like London has on yes. the South bank, like, what I know you've written a little bit about that and kind of what high level and people can go to theater 2050.com, but like high level, what, what's, what's your, what's your view on that? Yeah. The more you think about kind of national theaters, every G seven country and every NATO country has a national theater of some sort. I did like a whole research thing. Cause I was like, I want to see it happen. That means like North Macedonia is in, is in NATO and they have a national theater. So like for me, it's just it come, firstly starts at just like how the heck do we not have some kind of national theater? Like the Kennedy Center does not count, even though sometimes it's publicly subsidized from the federal government. Um, but for me, it, it's just the fact of it, there's no better time for us to be talking about a national theater, a, a kind of a central kind of company that would really kind of curate a, a new world for the theater in, in this way and lead certain, so many different things from from a kind of a central location. But I also think that a, a, a national theater of the United States needs to be completely different than other ones. Um, one of the kind of hot takes I have about it is that you think that uh, you put a national theater in New York or Washington, D.C., just because like that's where a lot of big theaters are. For me, I actually have this idea of doing kind of like a, a, every year a rotating national theater where every year a different state would get the national theater for a year. So you get the funding to either either put up a up a theater to build it in advance, or it would be kind of to program different uh, existing regional theaters in different uh, states with the funding to be called a national theater production, if you will. Um, and so there's a lot of that kind of stuff. I also believe that you would have like a huge digital element to it. The fact that we would be kind of streaming regional theaters from everywhere <clears throat> to kind of expand the reach of of all of these different places. Um, it just feels like I would love to be able to kind of engage with ideas from different states and learn more about our country through seeing theater from like, I always say like Idaho, like I don't know much about Idaho and then potatoes that grow there, but like Boise is a really interesting city. And I'm sure that there's some really interesting stories that would be, you know, told from Boise. Um, and the other big thing for me is it would be a, a third, I would say the third of the budget would just be an enormous education project. So this would be kind of like basically the way I look at it is it's kind of like, like small, companies all around the country that are doing children's theater specifically, but also that they're completely involved with all the digital part of this so that, you know, all of the stuff would be kind of free to all schools and everything. So you can kind of create curriculum around like the theater, seeing a piece of theater and having it kind of relate to whether it be, you know, maybe a book they're reading in class or just anything about kind of communication and expression in any kind of, in any kind of way. Um, but I've always thought of, of a national theater being kind of the place to have conversations, whether that be from producing theater or literally to be a forum for, for actual conversations about issues in our country. Um, and I just see no, no, in this moment, that what, what, a, what a moment this would be to have important conversations and the theater be the apparatus for that. So I keep saying, with all these Black Lives Matter, the Matter movement kind of happening this summer, obviously it's been happening for a long time, but but boy, it would be really wonderful to have a real conversation from a national theater 
to be the place to have that. And obviously it could work for any different subject, but that, that one definitely rang, rang true, you know, this year. Well, I guess, oh, sorry, Kimberly, were you going to say something? Oh, I was going to say, I love the idea of it rotating through the States. Cause I think one thing that is missing in theater that is also part of like having it available digitally is like also having it available closer to everyone that wants to do it. Um, yeah. and to be able to like, I don't know. We all yeah. Like, I, one of my, one of my crazy ideas. Yeah. <laughs> one of my crazy, one of my crazy ideas, which I will be writing about at some point is there's a theater in England, uh, a touring theater called Payne's plow. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of them, oh, but no. they, um, a couple of years ago, they built this space called the, the roundabout. It was a, a portable theater that could be taken up and down with an Allen wrench. The entire theater could be put together. And it's, it's like a 150 seat theater, I think it is, or, or 99 seat. But I, I saw, I went to see a show there at the Danaborough Fringe Festival. And I walked in there and I was just like, what is this space? But this includes the lighting, everything else is included in this. And my dream is we should build 50 of those and every state should have that, that theater. So you're bringing theater into communities that don't have art spaces or community spaces in any way. And that they're literally popping up these, these places and having them in, in seeing something that they haven't really seen before. It, it sounds crazy to say that, but especially the way, you know, you know, arts cuts have been in the last, you know, two, three decades. So yeah. many people really probably haven't had many engagement in live theater, but what, what a thing to be able to come into a small town and be able to do. I, I think that that kind of stuff could be so exciting, especially with the right content. Almost like in the, like the old days of like a circus coming to town and like the tent appears overnight of just like the theater is here. Can you imagine like, if, if we, we, we unleash the BFA kids who just got out of college to a guaranteed contract for a year to do those kind of things? What an experience, life experience. What a, what a theater experience. Like it, it would just think about how many jobs you could create from something like that. I, that's where I go. It's just what an experience. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, and that, I like that. That would totally elevate. Like, like a lot of times I feel like Broadway sometimes keeps like Broadway so sacred that like, they almost act like regional theater. Like, like when a Broadway show does their out of town tryout at a regional theater, a lot of times they like don't want people from New York to come or want people to like see it so they can kind of like keep it quiet till they fix it, make it perfect for Broadway. But like, I like this idea because it would totally elevate like what is happening regionally and also highlight what's happening regionally so that we can see there's some really amazing productions that are happening at theaters that we don't even hear about in New York because we're all so focused on like what's happening at these 41 theaters. Absolutely. For me, it's like you're creating a pipeline. You're creating excitement by, oh, I found this play. Oh, but this is happening here. This could be pretty cool. And all of a sudden, like I can, as you know, someone who works in a producing office can watch that and be like, wow, this is really special. I think it would be good on Broadway or this would be great in San Francisco. Like, I think those things can be really exciting and you're, and you're building a, a new theater audience. It's not going to, it's irony that the regional theaters can become, you know, global brands, if you will, if they really want to, as just curating great storytelling. And that's for me, that, that, that's the way that these places can stay in business is, is being able to really kind of differentiate yourself as not just this place, just for local, you can be local, but why not get it out there too? I think a lot of these theaters are really seeing that right now. Um, and it's exciting that a lot of them are really seeing some good, you know, domestic engagement. Totally. Yeah. These live streams that these theaters are doing are like really, really showing them like the ability to like sell digital tickets, like to a global market. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Central Theater Group in LA already announced that they're going to be keeping their digital stage when they go back to doing fully in-person stuff. That's amazing, especially in LA. Like the fact that they could curate like some like theater that's also digital, like, like what a cool space to be in. And really, they're going to have a bunch of, you know, they'll have every touring show come through there, but the, their, their stamp can really be in that digital space, which is, I think it's really cool. We're also like in this time going into a world of like, people have realized that like New York and LA are not the end all be all place to live. And so now you have yep. actors that have moved home or to smaller towns and people aren't traveling as much. And so I think you'll hopefully see sort of a, a blossom in all of these regional theaters because there's more demand for, you know, something nearby, safe yeah. go to for a night. Yeah, I also think about like I'm about to go into, you know, maybe you know, like starting a family in the next couple of years. Think about so many all these couples who like cannot go to see the theater anymore, who if at 10 o'clock they can put, you know, they could after putting the baby down can like watch a play. Like that's 
unbelievable. And think about the, the audiences you're continuing to cultivate while they, they're doing something else, you know, from a very big focus of their life. Like it's such an access point that would be great. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Um, Instead of I watching Floor is Lava, you could watch like a <laughs> yeah. Tennessee Williams play. Is Floor is Lava not the same thing as Cat in a Hot Tin Roof? <laughs> <laughs> in the floor is lava that's what i was going to say i want to see a production of a play being done while they're also trying to do the floor is lava escape room kind of thing that would be so good i mean how do you not kevin write an escape room play oh my god yes take cut um, this out so that people don't hear that this is yeah, my- yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so um, my last question before the last question before we play a game is um, you talked a little bit about, you know, how money would be spent. You kind of gave us a high level of your um, of your PowerPoint. Um, but like how how does diversity fit into this? How do you actionize diversity in the theater um, for 20 for 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 hopefully it's before 2050. But you know what I mean? I, I think that I, I'm on what they call the kind of an informal kind of committee about this, which is it's been really exciting to hear different people talk about this subject. For me, it's about it's. It, I look at it very long term. There's certain things we could be doing in the short term that are really great, but for me, it, from a diversity standpoint, it's all about the long term. Like it, it, it's been there's so many different pr- programs that are kind of have been pretty good about bringing different communities to the theater and providing access to those things. And I, I think that they've always been kind of off to the side. They've been kind of like, a, oh, we need help. Let's bring in some people. Let's do a good thing by bringing in people. When to me, I think it needs to become as a part of our business as usual. So they're kind of really reaching out to certain nonprofits and other communities where we, where that long-term Broadway in general wants to engage with that we haven't been, mostly because of price and just the fact of not even knowing what's happening, like just visibility. Um, I think that's that's a big part of it. It's just trying to like kind of bake it into into shows, you know, plan is that oh, we want to make sure we're engaging with different communities in the very beginning. Also starts clearly with hiring practices, and that we can continue to try to in, in, encourage people of all races to, to apply for all these different jobs. But for me, it also for me it starts um, at the lower level. I, I'm, I'm biased only because I'm in the admin level of theater, but like in the internship levels and like and reaching out in the college and kind of high school area is really getting people to understand early on that there's there's just so many different jobs in the arts that are just not but it's not about being on stage there's so many different things that maybe you can get, you know go to college for marketing but there's a there's a great you know there's a great jobs on Broadway where you can do social media and other things that you're, you're not going to work for Twitter you're coming to work for you know an agency that's doing you know that, that kind of stuff i think it's it's about reaching people earlier on that Broadway is is a viable, you know, career, but also that there's, you know, there's, there's really interesting work happening. Um, but for me, it's also about listening to, to those communities and also, and also listen to try to understand why haven't people been coming in, in the ways that they have and, and listen to their suggestions as well. And that's been, I think, definitely eye opening in certain ways of, I, 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 it's also just how, how we market shows too. It's just trying to like kind of literally putting more, you know, attention and dollars towards cultivating new audiences um, and really every show prioritizing that. I think that's going to also become a, a big part of the conversation. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a long-term thing. It really is. And I know, I, I know I'm going to be frustrated. I'm sure we all will initially when they're, we're all just trying to come back and things are not as different as we want them to be. But I really hope that, you know, within the first year, we really can start prioritizing all of, all of this stuff. And hopefully we all have patience to kind of, you know, be better about all that. Yeah. Well, on that note, let's play a game. Yeah. Absolutely. Ooh. Speaking of the future and the past and time travel and Broadway, uh, I have a game that I made up long ago called the Time Warp. Yay. So I have a stack of Life of Broadway show cards. These are all show-specific cards. So when it is your turn, I will sort of shuffle them up. You tell me when, and I'll grab one for you. Um, For instance, if you drew If Then... You would pick someone from this show to an actor and then bring them to the past to a show they could not have been in, but you think they'd be right for. So plop them in the past, bring someone from that show in the past to the future, to a show that does not exist, a show no one has seen, 
that you've made up bring that person to 2050, if you will. Got it. Wow. Wow. Well, and does that person like stay like if they're a 30 year old in the old show? Yes, it's a time machine. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, Kevin. They're it's not a time machine. hundred and twenty-five year old women. <laughs> well, I was like, I was like, got it. Great, Golden Girls the musical. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay, tell me when. Here, I'll do this. When? Oops. Next to normal. Oh, that's a good show. Okay. Um. So next to normal, I would take. Um, Aaron Tveit. He was in that. He was original, right? Yes. Correct. So I would take Aaron Tveit and bring him back to the original production of My Fair Lady. Mm-hmm. And I would have him be Freddie Einsford Hill because he would be adorable singing that song and just look like the sweetest little twink, like falling in love with Eliza. Um, and then I would take Julie Andrews in her prime and bring her to 2050 where she would star in a new musical. What, would, what music would she would be in a new musical of Hustlers, the JLo <laughs> movie, but she would be playing the JLo part. So it would, be, it would be Julie Andrews with her beautiful, like crystal clear soprano voice singing like soprano style songs, but like on a stripper pole. Cool. And oh, that's man. what I would do. And it would be a period piece because it would be in 2050 set in like 2008. Correct. Correct. (laughs) Wonderful. Brian, would you like a turn? I would, yes. Okay. Say when. When. Dear Evan Hansen. Okay. Um, I'm going to take... Um, I'm going to take, um, uh, Ben Platt. I couldn't think of his name. I'm going to take Ben Platt. I'm going to, like, like, who is he picking? It's not Ben Platt. (laughs) Um, I'm going to bring Ben Platt and put him as J. Pierpont Finch in the original How to Succeed. Okay. Uh, but, and I'm going to take Robert Morse at that age. Um, and I'm going to transfer him to 2050, and he is going to be playing uh, in the JLo the- part in Hustlers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm going to take him, um, and it's going to be in 2050. It's going to be in uh, Idaho, Boise, Idaho, uh, for the National Theater uh, the year that is there. Um, oh my God. And we're going to do a, uh, he's going to star in a, uh, a musical about um, the first potato harvest um, in Idaho. And we learn a lot about Idaho, but we also learn about uh, ourselves. Um, ourselves. Yeah, it was the potatoes all along. The potatoes were really inside of us all along. And um, there's a big number with Dancing Potatoes um, and it's a huge hit. Like no one expected it and it, and it plays all around the country. It's, it's wonderful. It's called, wow. you know, um, Potatoes. Wonderful. Oh, it's not like waiting for, it's not like waiting for Guffman too. No, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> potatoes. It's called Potatoes and it's potatoes. all about, yeah. <laughs> On your Potatoes. <laughs> On your potatoes. Andrew's like a turn. Okay, let's do it. Ready? Okay, say when. Go. When. (laughs) Sunset Boulevard, specifically the 2017 revival. Okay. So I'm taking Glenn Close. Great. Also a crazy story in the Riedel book. You should definitely read it. Great Glenn Close story. Brian loves the Glenn Close story. I do. I really do. Taking Glenn Close, I'm bringing her to Camelot, the original production of Camelot, to play <laughs> to play uh, Guinevere. Okay. Sure. I'm taking I'm taking Robert Goulet. Goulet. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. That's his. That's his. His legacy is Will Ferrell. Yeah. <laughs> 
our generation. Yeah, I mean, hey. <laughs> yeah, not his uh, Mad La Mancha revival in the eighties or whatever. No, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking him to 2050, where he's in the, the musical version of the, it, it's it's just called Trump exclamation point. Okay. By then, by then we're like, we we're laughing about all this, and he plays the mooch. Robert oh. Goulet is going to be the it's going to be the mooch. Wonderful. Does he narrate? Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like he has crazy. a drink in his hand, and he's just exact. It's like it's like man in a chair style, but sure. basically Robert Goulet he's doing telling the, the memoirs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, drowsy chaperone is another really good one for being stuck in a chair. Literally. Yeah. Oh yeah. From your <laughs> that's Kevin's right, corner. That's good, yeah. Not to go back to Kevin's corner. I'm so sorry. That would have been a good one. Yeah. Also, 90 minutes though. That's tough. I know. I know. Really? Songs. Well. Okay. I'll go. Someone tell me when. When? I was gonna wait till she got to the last one. I know. I knew you were. <laughs> I have dream girls. Ooh. Who do I bring? I'm trying to remember the entire original cast. A lot of them uh, usually guest star as hosts on RuPaul's Drag Race. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, they're like all the, all the original cast has been on. Yeah. Like, Jennifer really? Yes, that's cool. Yeah. Wait, has Jennifer Holiday been? She's been, they've made fun of her in Snatch Game, but I don't know if she's ever actually been a judge. Oh, she might not have been a judge. Well, Jennifer Holiday <laughs> is going back in time, and she will originate the role of Mama Rose in Gypsy. Ooh. Ooh. Then. We don't care you own the rights, Ethel. We don't care. <laughs> um, That's hard. I will bring you Ethel Merman to 2050. Oh. Anyway, oh, it doesn't goodness. matter what she's what doing. Her foghorn leghorn the musical. <laughs> I do declare you're up for murder schmurder. This is the craziest thing. Ethel Merman will then star in the 100th anniversary of Gypsy. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. That was the ultimate time warp. In the role she was born to play a long time ago. <laughs> thinking about the future of theater is like in like 10, 20 years, we're going to start getting the 100th anniversary of all of the major milestone Golden Age shows. Yeah. We're also going to see revivals of like, we're going to feel older because we're going to see like the Dear Evan Hansen revival or the Mean Girls revival. Yeah. They revived Spring Awakening. Like I was like, what? And I know it was supposed to be the Deaf West, but like right, right. Spring Awakening? <laughs> it just lasts. It's so recent. It's so yeah, recent. we I'm still don't know what a purple summer is. Um, <laughs> but the the 2043 production of Oklahoma, the hundredth anniversary, can't wait. Think oh. about it. <laughs> oh, that um, we definitely had Oklahoma for the ages recently. So. We did. For oh, all of yeah. them. Literally all of them. Well, all of the ages. Yay, time warp. That was super fun. That was fun. Yeah, um, that was good. Before we sign off here, Andrew, some fast questions for you. What's your favorite yeah. show? Favorite show, I always say, is they're both Michael John LaCusa shows, Wild Party and See What I Want to See. I love See What I Want to See. No one ever knows what it is. I don't know yeah, what that is. And I usually I know. I saw it at the, I saw it at the I public. Too. I saw the original production. I brought my father, my, my poor father, like we did not care less about this sort of transformative night. It's still one of the best nights I've ever had in the theater. Fascinating. So, it was my mother and I, and we were just like, this girl from Wicked and Rent, let's go see her in the show. Yeah. Who's and then uh, I was just was like, it Adina? Was, yeah, it was Adina. Yeah. And I was like, that was wonderful. I loved every minute. And my mom was like, I'm not sure I understood. <laughs> is there an album? There is. It's oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Oh it's two one acts, so it's like it, the two different stories, but man, it comes together. Ugh. Oh, it's so good. And I like get weird parts of it stuck in my head to this day, and then I sing them out loud and no one knows what they are. <laughs> um, it's a, such you, a special piece. Yep. Do you have a favorite experience seeing a show outside of that one, maybe? I have so many. I mean, I... favorite theater experience i I, wow 
I went to, <laughs> I always say this, but I went to Bochum, Germany when I was in grad school to go see Starlight Express at the theater that they built for it in Bochum, Germany. Um, it, it's an entire rink that they built specifically for the production. It's the craziest night I've ever had in the theater. I, I, I have to interrupt just to say, when we were talking about doing this interview, Brian literally said to us that you are going to bring up the theater in Germany <laughs> that has Starlight Express in it. He literally said, we were like, okay, so I've been waiting for it and I'm so glad it happened. Also, Jason. Oh my God. He was like, Andrew loves that. He loves that. <laughs> I just, it. One of our Sorry. couple to go see that. It is, it is the craziest thing you can ever see. It is, I, I can't even tell you. Like, I've known the show over the years, and it's completely in German, and they don't have any translations yet. You, you think by by now they do, but I, I will. I, I wrote. I went to write about it in my 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 grad school thesis. It literally went for the day, like, overnight. The craziest thing I've ever seen. Wow, that's wild. And it's still running. Nineteen ninety. It, it, it's been thirty years. Unbelievable. Well, yeah, it's one of the we talk about like Phantom of the Opera long running. Stone Express is still running from 1990 when they opened in Germany. That's wild. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, how many shows have you seen? Do you keep track? Do you know? I had a list of Broadway shows for a while. And it's like, and I, I think it was over 300, I think. What's the, I well, what's, what show have you seen the most? Uh, what show have I seen the most? Are we talking in a Broadway theater or just generally like workshops? And I don't stuff? know. You can answer it however you want. You can make it more impressive. Oh. <laughs> um, it's going to sound crazy. Book of Mormon. I, I worked oh. for the general manager when it right, was in, right. oh, yeah. in from workshops till whatever and, and, and tours and stuff. So I, I think I've seen Book of Mormon the most time, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, oh yeah, you took me to. We went to see the invited dress together. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, oh my god, what still is, the, one of the best. Aside from Germany, what's your? I know you love theaters. What's your favorite theater? Broadway, not Broadway. Oh. Aside from Germany's in New York, so in New York. <laughs> oh, not not necessarily anywhere. Oh. Uh, my favorite theater in the world is the National Theater. It's the best. Actually, actually the Young Vic. The Young Vic is probably my favorite theater in the world. Mm. Um, it has two spaces, and they're, they're both very flexible, but it has, like, that cafe. The Young Vic in, in London is probably my favorite theater. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Cool. There's so um, many other different things, but, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that, yeah, that I just want – that brings us to the end of our episode. <laughs> oh. Um, oh man! Thank you so much for joining us. We it seems like we have a lot to look forward to. If you were in charge of everything, um, I sure hope. I think but by pr- twenty fifty, you'll be the dictator of theater, so you'll be able to handle <laughs> everything. Sounds sounds good to me. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, you can follow Andrew on all social media at theater re uh, twenty fifty. Um, the numbers. Um, so we're going to, you can, we're going to link to it in the description in this podcast. Um, but again, theater 2050, um, some really interesting stuff there. He posts, um, pretty, you know, pretty regularly enough to kind of, um, um, really make you think, um, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, so check that out. Um, when, uh, you know, all theater resumes, go see Harry Potter and the cursed child. What at work do you say cursed or cursed? Very important to us. Very much cursed. Cursed child. Mm-hmm. When you talk to people yeah. in London, do do you not know what show you're talking about? No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> Wait, what show do you represent? You're like, who's on first? <laughs> um, but seriously, thank you so much for joining us, Andrew. Check him out there. Um, definitely. Thank you so much um, for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. Um, you can follow us at Broad Wasted. You can find us on all social media. Um, we end every episode with a quote. And today's quote, yes, and today's quote is, someday soon he'll whistle at me. That's how I'll recognize him. And maybe I'll whistle at him. That should surprise him. He whistled at me, Starlight Express. <laughs>
I was no, I was I was not leaving this episode without talking about it. He knew we were going to bring it up, so he made it. The Nobody quote. could do it like a, a steam train. That's the next slide. <laughs> um, I'm just so glad that you talked about it because he literally was like, he's going to talk about that theater. He loves no, that theater. In high school, like Andrew was my like. Andrew and I, like, all we did was talk about theater. Like, we were different grades, but, like, we did paper mill together. We had a lot of the same friends. Like, we grew up uh, in and around Rob McClure. Like, all that stuff was just, like... Um, in and around know. Rob McClure? <laughs> no, I meant that in, like, a paper mill, like... Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like, how, like a like a tree grows around like a right. stop sign. I'm texting Rob right now. <laughs> we had a symbiotic relationship with Rob McClure. No, but um, um, I guess my point is is that it was very nice to have you. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I I burned all of my CDs from his collection in high school. Yeah. Um, but, my parents' attic is full of a lot of CDs. These, these, <laughs> uh, oh my God. Um, but you can, uh, again, you can find our, the rest of our podcast episodes on um, uh, Spotify and Apple Music. Uh, rate and review us there. Five, Five stars, stars, please. And thank you. Um, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure catching up with you. All of the things that you say are just so fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. And I really hope that we can achieve a percentage of, of everything. Really? Yeah. Thank you. Um, we got 30 but, uh, years. Let's do it. Yeah, exactly. Let's get to work. Nine. Oh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, as uh, we end every episode, we raise our glasses and we say, Zutua. Tiny. Cheers. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> it's funny. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.